0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and welcome to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We are so pleased you can join us in today's show. I am Michelle.
1: And I am Mark, your host of this podcast, A show that was designed for you, the Awakening Empty Nester.
0: In this series, we will be bringing you a whole range of inspiring insights, heart filled stories, and conversations with truly amazing people.
1: People just like you. People who have navigated through their own challenges, lessons, and opportunities. People who have transitioned to living a life of deeper experience heart-filled contribution and consistent awakening and growth
0: find out how they are all living with what we call a strong ecg life pulse let's discover more as we dive into this episode
1: whether you're an empty nester or not we trust you will enjoy today's show let's get started Hello and welcome back to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. If you're a returning listener, thank you again for tuning in. And if you're new to this podcast, we're really honoured to have you join us again today. Michelle and I are really enjoying the rain here today in April 2020 here on the mountain in Queensland, Australia, and we're very much looking forward to today's conversation with a beautiful friend, Jane St. Catherine.
0: Welcome, Jane.
2: Thank you so much, Michelle and Mike. Lovely to be here.
0: Yes, we are really excited that you're here. Jane, you are a very dear friend of mine. We met when we were both living in a mining town in Singleton in New South Wales in, I believe it was about 2008. And when I think of you, I can feel your spirit for adventure, your love for nature and a strong, determined work ethic. You're always on a mission to be continually learning something new. And most of all, you have a big open heart. You have shared so many inspiring stories with me, so I am so thrilled that you'll be sharing a couple of these with our listeners today. Listen in to hear about Jane's curiosity for life, her amazing resilience in the face of crisis, and her love for humanity.
1: Yes, I am too. Very excited to hear from Jane, a lady I have actually haven't met yet personally. Jane lives in Threadbow Village, which is a large alpine resort in the snowy mountains of new south wales in australia this is where jane is now based a far cry from a secure suburban existence that she lived a lifetime ago she left her husband and an office job and set off on an old 250 cc trail bike to ride around the world with determination and courage she has overcome many challenges reinvented herself and adapting to any circumstances along the way. A lady who embraces learning, she has immersed herself into many diverse experiences, from working in Parliament House to prawn trawlers, driving 400-tonne mining trucks and teaching children on outback Australian cattle stations. Jane is now living her dream, based in the cool, snowy mountains and travelling whenever possible.
0: Yes, wow. What a life, Jane. What a life. I'm sure many of our listeners are going, oh, I'd love to do that. So tell us, tell us about how it all started. Oh,
2: I guess I was born a gypsy. I was born with a travel wanderlust. And my earliest dream I can ever remember was just wanting to travel and then wanting to ride a bicycle around the world, actually, not a motorbike originally, it oh, was bicycle. I just wanted to set off and spend my life riding. And then I got married and my husband at the time said, would I marry him? And I I said, yes, as long as I can still ride my bike around the world. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, of course, because he wanted to marry me. So 11 years later of public servant working behind a government desk and renovating and just working, working, working and living in suburbia, I got chronic fatigue. And I was really sick for 12 months, complete, like just so, so sick. And then I thought, I don't want to just live my life like this and I I could be sick forever. I really desperately want to ride my bike around the world. Mm. And then um, so I thought maybe a motorbike would be a bit easier than a bicycle after being so sick. So to ride a motorbike, I thought, well, how hard can that be? I've ridden a bicycle forever. It's just a bike with with a motor, I'll be right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just, yeah, I, I learnt to ride a motorbike. I left my husband and I took off, just set off to go around the world with next to no money, broken down old bike and, um, yeah, didn't really get very far. <laughs> but I had a million adventures along the way. First of all, went to um, do some governessing on a cattle station or home tutoring it was. That was heaps of fun, but I realised I couldn't even ride my motorbike as well as the seven-year-old boy on the cattle station <laughs> all his life and I was still on my pea plates when I set off to go around the oh, world. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I and then I went prawn trawling, went to work on a prawn trawler thinking that would be good money and got completely and utterly ripped off, got $300 for working about 22 hours a day, it seemed like, day and night. We worked most of the night and all day as well. And he ended up not paying me, so I just burst into tears and (laughs) went to find some more work. And then I ended up in a pub in Cape York, which was really, really interesting as well, such a fascinating lifestyle up there in a tiny town. Yeah, then I I ended up having to sell the bike because I just really had no money and it wasn't worth trying to ship it. I did go on around the world on that particular occasion without the bike. I carried all my bike gear with me, thinking I might be able to buy a new bike somewhere along the way, but oh. never got that. <laughs> so I got <climb> home again <laughs> and uh, bought a new motorbike a few years later and, and shipped that out to New Zealand to travel. But there was just oh, so many ups and downs along the way and the adventure of, I guess, at one stage I, I was just mopping floors in an old tin shed pub thinking, I've got a science degree. I've got two science degrees. What what am I doing just mopping floors? And then realized it's just all part of the fabric of life. It's just part of the adventure. You know, if I hadn't stopped here in this tiny little town and decided to take a, a job just doing whatever it took, then I wouldn't be meeting these people. I wouldn't be having these adventures and I wouldn't be learning more about life. I just thought you—you you can't be too good to, to do the lowliest job. It's mm-hmm. just all—it's all part of the interest of life, mm-hmm. part of the roller coaster, as I call it.
1: Beautiful. That's an amazing insight, Jane. That's very humbling to step back away mm. from two degrees and all the achievements, working in Parliament, those sorts of things. To step yourself mm. back and say. I'm just a person. I can do whatever I want. If I can help out in whatever capacity, then that's an amazing place, soulful mm. place to be in. So mm. that is that is awesome.
0: And to have that gratitude in yourself, to, to be aware enough to have that gratitude for the experiences of the people around you, the humanity around you, and what you gain from that and what you give to them as well. It's beautiful. So that was a period of your life where you already were showing so much resilience so much determination to keep going you were living in a dream that had been brewing in yourself for a long long time and so you were having an adventure you were on your bike for part of that period working in different areas meeting people in different towns around australia around the world what happened after the pub where did you end up after you know you had to sell your bike
2: I went across to the U.S. and I worked as a summer camp counsellor for one season for fun. And then I travelled on back across the U.S. with some friends that I met there at the summer camp and then on up to Alaska in the middle of winter. So it was January, beginning or middle of January when I went up to Alaska on the ferry. Well, as you know, I love the cold. Yes. was just the local ferry I thought well there's a big city up there there's towns people live there people have been living there for centuries so life goes on Mm -hmm. and something you know something must be open I'll just jump on the ferry and go and find out for myself and it was that might have bottomed out at minus 60 and it was absolutely magnificent (laughs) I just really loved that (laughs) (laughs) and Yukon Quest dog sled the beginning of it and then I took a bus and saw them coming in at the other end. And then I just, I think from there I went on a train across Canada and back home, uh, managed to get to Bangkok, I think, and then I got a cheap flight from there, got back home, and then I worked back up here in the mountains near where I grew up Mm -hmm. and decided that I wanted to get some money together and come back to live here permanently because this was where my heart and soul belongs. Mm. So I went to Melbourne from there, thinking that I would get a proper sort of office job, a well-paid job. And
1: can I just ask you a quick question, Jane? So, what period of mm-hmm. time was that? That section of your journey from the cattle from farm Kate, and was, all of through Australia to was that over a couple of years? Was that over? Yeah, how
2: long was a couple that? of years. Um, I was away overseas about a year then then I came home and was working in Fredbow here for a year and a half or two years right. and then I went to Melbourne so that's back in about 2000 I was in Fredbow, okay. went to Melbourne there mm-hmm. and then I made a, an investment with some people that I thought well I didn't actually know them anyway it's a long story but I went into a property investment and I ended up virtually living on the street I was Actually, renting a small apartment, and I knew that the following month I wouldn't be able to come up with my rent. so I was looking out the window at the bridges thinking how um, how does one go about living under a bridge and which bridge might be the safest place to live under?" So I had to sell my motorbike I had a different had a newer motorbike by then and walked home in tears. There were a lot of tears through my stories. <laughs> So I just kind of whittled everything down. I went right to my last grain of rice and right to my last everything. Mm-hmm. And a friend drove me to the supermarket to get some boxes to pack things up into. And another friend took my things and stored them. And he offered me a room, but I couldn't afford the train fare to go to his place and back. So I um, was still looking at bridges. But I knew that I couldn't pay the following week month's rent. So I just gave notice on the apartment. I thought, this is my problem. It's not my landlord's problem. So I don't want to be in debt with my rent, even if I've got nowhere to live. I just wasn't going to drag somebody else into that problem. So anyway, I ended up being able to squat in a little place. And um, yeah, that was it was a really desperate sort of time. But it was also a time when I just clung onto my dream and I kept repeating my affirmations and my goals and just dreaming of where I could be Mm -hmm. I thought I've still got my life I've still got my intelligence I've still got my dreams nobody can take those away from me so things will get better you know life like I said before is a roller coaster Mm -hmm. and for every amount of adversity I believe there's also a huge amount of joy Mm -hmm. so I think you know I've just gone to the depths of lows and I think when I, I feel through some of those things and then I know that there's a balance of joy on the other side it's mm-hmm. it's so much more exciting than just going through life on a level heel.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. And totally understand you and wow that story will inspire many who are listening I'm sure because each and every one of us will go through a time in our life maybe not as low as another person the next person but it's a low for ourselves and sometimes we get to that place of desperation where we think that nothing is ever going to resolve or the solution will not come. And it can get quite frightening for many people, as I'm sure it was for you um, when you were contemplating Mm. which bridge to live under. And the lesson that you've just shown us here so beautifully is that you held on to your dreams and you knew who you were, you knew you had skills and resources you you knew you had your own resourcefulness to tap into and you didn't know yet how you would how you would go about getting to your dreams but you knew you had that in you and you held on to them so that's a, a beautiful way for our listeners ourselves everybody to embrace that when you're in the lowest of times it's not the end it's just not the end so tell us Absolutely. yeah so tell us more
2: a friend's just offered to pay my fare to go. It was actually back up to Cape York where I'd been living and working in the pub. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, and then I could work for him and, you know, pay back the fare and get back on my feet. But I said, well, I just need to finish sorting out this whole deal of the, you know, the property investment gone wrong and and untang- disentangle myself from that. And then I did go up back to Cape York and I worked up there for a little while. And then I had the opportunity to work in the mines and I was just hitching a ride. I was thinking that mines would be good money and a bit exciting and something to write about and and a bit of an adventure Mm -hmm. and money as well, hopefully, to get back on my feet. And then I was hitching a ride because my car broke down and the guy that picked me up said he was working in the mines at Panawonika and I said, Pana what? Can you spell it? (laughs) (laughs) Can I? (laughs) How can I get a job there? (laughs) So he said that he would send my resume through to the the superintendent in Western Australia in the Pilbara. Mm -hmm. And then I just ended up jumping in my car and driving for 11 days around at the top of Australia and down to Panawonica in the hope that I would get work. And I did after a few weeks, I got work there.
0: Okay.
2: And so I was driving trucks in the mines for uh, well, it ended up being seven years altogether, but over there it was a couple of years. I made the mistake of falling in love and getting my heart broken and then I left there in a blur of tears and went off in search of <laughs> the next adventure. Right. Wow.
0: <laughs> and, and Jane, did, describe the trucks that you were driving.
2: So they're 400 tonnes. They were the same weight as a fully loaded jumbo. The wheels, you've seen pictures of them. The wheels are twice as tall as I am, and I'm quite tall. So they were monsters, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember the very first day getting on the bus, I've written about all these different bits and pieces. There's snippets in my blog called Inspiring Women Who Travel. Yes. And there's mm-hmm. snippets of different adventures on my blog. So the first morning that I was driving on the bus, driving into the to the mine, mm-hmm. and there's these 10, 12, monstrous trucks lined up there in the morning sunrise mm-hmm. and I thought oh, no That's <laughs> really terrifying and I already had a heavy rigid license and I thought no they're going to expect me to know how to drive a truck uh-huh. but you train on the job and that was really good fun
1: actually
0: very very different to a bike yeah very <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: like a hundred times the size
0: or more yeah. Yeah. oh
2: much much more
1: yeah wow I've only seen images of those. I've never been anywhere close to some of those no. large trucks. So I don't really have a, a full appreciation of it, but it's certainly one of those things that'd be, oh, I'd love just give me a couple of hours to drive one of those. That'd be <laughs> an amazing experience. <gasps>
0: oh. So the size of the cab itself, would it be a size, size of a room? It's, the cabin
2: is just sort of like a normal car in a way. Oh, is it? It's okay. got, there's a training seat as well. But the deck that it's sitting on is like sitting on the roof of a house, a two-storey house. Right. You just slide into the seat and sit.
1: So what happened after Panawattica? What? So what happened after?
0: (laughs) Stop laughing.
1: (laughs) So, Jane, what happened after your time in the mines in Western Australia?
0: So
2: I left there with a desperately broken heart, unfortunately. I didn't want to leave. I had a five-year plan to get back on my feet financially, and I was loving living out there in the Pilbara, yes. even though I'm an old-weather person and the heat just brings me to tears of desperation. <laughs> but I got into my car and I drove around in a little circle going, oh, no, I've got to go. I don't know where I'm going. I've got no job now. And I was just a blur of tears the entire way. across. I, I drove down to Perth, across the Nullarbor, and then I got a job with a photography company, and I it was summer, and I didn't want to be anywhere near the heat. I thought, as long as I can stay in New South Wales or Victoria or Tasmania, somewhere where I've got friends and family, because mm-hmm. I was a bit heartbreaking and desperate. And um, they sent me up to almost to Cape York again, <laughs> all the way north of Cairns, right through Central Queensland, in the middle of summer, taking photos in shopping centres at Christmas time, and then. Yeah, that was all right while it lasted, but it just wasn't right at that time. And I ended up then back south in Singleton and working in the mines again. And then I bought a house. I ended up actually buying two houses, renovating and subdividing and working, 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 trying to do all that after my 12 hour shifts at the mines.
0: Yes, I so remember those times and in still Singleton. My dream. Yes, and still
2: focusing on my dream to get back here to the mountains to Threadbow. I took a huge amount of detours. I'm not really quite sure why I did so many dreadful hardship detours along the way, but (laughs) I was just holding on to that dream so tightly and eventually I got back here.
0: What was the dream to come back to where to you were back in the mountains? Yes, yes, in the cold.
2: Yeah, in the mountains, in the bush. Yeah,
0: and so that happened about eight, nine years ago that you got. Yes, back there, about yes. that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is about that now. Yeah,
1: share with us if you will, Jane. What is it that attracts you back there? What's the feeling you get of living in that space?
2: So. I really love nature. I've always loved nature. Ever since I was a little girl, I used to have pockets full of caterpillars and grasshoppers and beetles. (laughs) (laughs) Just enjoy hugging trees and, yeah, a bit of a silly nature girl. But, yeah, so this is nature. It's close to where I grew up. It's just it's a bit remote, but it's still a beautiful community. And I love the cold weather and I love living at a bit of altitude I'd have a lot more if there was more in Australia, but it's about as high as I can get here. And I just love being able to step out the door into the snow in the winter. And for me, crystal clear mornings with fresh snow and bright blue skies, that is just absolute magic. It just brings me alive.
0: I remember a few years ago you shared with me we were on video at the time and you were singing and dancing in just outside where you were there and you were so happy, the joy in you. You're just like a little girl. Who just found their best toy or best scene or something. And it was just so beautiful. And there was another time when that you said a little bird would come in through your window. Yes. Yeah. It
2: did. And it actually just let me put my finger out and it hopped onto my finger to let it back outside. Yeah, wow. It- times
1: this is a real cinderella story from the (laughs) hardships of mines and scrubbing floors and so on to having nature coming and sitting on on your finger it
0: yes well well jane aptly put it she wrote a chapter in a book called the roller coaster of life and the the name of the book for those of you who interested it's called pebbles in the pond transforming the world one person at a time and it's a it's a book full of beautiful stories of people like yourself, resilience and courage and passion. So you know, if anyone like to pick up the book, we'll put it in the show notes.
2: So my stories in Volume One of Pebbles in the Pond. There's been several more. They call them waves. So several more editions come up come out after
0: that sure. first edition. And you have a love for writing. Tell us about that.
2: Oh, well yes, I guess I do I've I suppose again since I was a little girl I was always a letter writer and then I've kept journals for a lot of years. To me I think writing stories like for instance, if I'm sitting in a cattle station or on the veranda of the pub or on the back deck of a prawn trawler or in a big dump truck in a break, then the stories just sort of come out mm-hmm. because I'm surrounded by something new and exciting and interesting. Mm -hmm. Writing by hand into a notebook is something more interesting comes out for me Mm -hmm. than it does if I'm trying to sit down and write on a computer. Right. Just, I suppose I've just written quite a lot about my life and the stories and the people and the places and the transformations
0: and
2: and the hardships. Yeah,
0: definitely. Well, they're all part and parcel of your whole journey and, They've brought you to mm. where you are now, and you mentioned earlier Absolutely. you're not sure why you took certain detours in life. Maybe the detours yeah. happened for you, so that you could get to where you are. You know, yeah, yeah.
2: They certainly all add. It's just, yeah, it's just like a big patchwork of mm-hmm. life, and like I say, the smorgasbord of life or the roller coaster of life. I just, you know, go for it. Just try new things and
1: have a go. It's, that's an amazing spirit and an amazing outlook on life, isn't it? A lot of us get stuck into the treadmill like where you were prior to, to yes. oh, you know, yeah. going on your adventure. So would you mind sharing, say, three lessons, what you've learnt just in this period? I know there's a lot more experiences that you've had since returning to the mm-hmm. mountain to now, and we'll move into that in just a minute. But just mm-hmm. to that point, what were three so, things that, that to- you've learnt
2: I think just to trust myself and the process of life that's um, just to learn to enjoy the really exciting roller coaster and accept the ups with the downs Mm -hmm. I think um, everybody's got downs and or low points adversity sometimes you just feel like life's never going to improve but it does you just you know it's good and then it's bad and then it's good and then it's bad and and if I think if you don't appreciate the low points, then somehow you don't get so much joy out of the out of the highs as well.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah. I just try to keep a loving and open heart and accept that everybody's different. Everybody has a story and everybody goes through adversity. Yes. And everybody's doing the best they can at the time with what they've got. So beautiful. And I guess also to try and just live a bit gently on the earth and respect the earth as well as the people on it. Just to tread lightly on the earth, I think, and respect the animals and the vegetation as much as the people, just be kind to the planet,
0: yeah, so the first one is to embrace the roller coaster of life, to know that that is the adventure of life, right, and we talk about the ECG life pulse, and we teach people to really embrace life it 's to open yourself up to new experiences to to contributing from your heart and to growing every single day. And we liken that to an ECG graph of the pulsing of it. So if you're not pulsing, you're flatlining. So the roller coaster, it might be scary, but it can be so much fun on the other side as well. And then the second lesson was to again embrace everyone for who they are for their experiences the adventures they have gone on in their life and to know that everybody has a different different outlook on life different perception different beliefs but yet loving them for who they are so that's that's a really really i think very special one because sometimes we can go around judging people for what they do what they think what they believe and we can isolate ourselves quite a lot through our own judgment not only of them but of ourselves as well and then the third one is to be gentle on nature it's your love of nature and your, your love of human beings people the earth the animals the plants you know and right now it's thriving with the isolation the lockdown that's happening at this time of the world and a lot of yeah, nature is feeling like it's being touched with a gentle hand at the moment so I love those three
1: beautiful so what's next after you've returned to the mountain you're back into your soul space and i know you've had some further adventures overseas to various places so please share your next phase your next chapter
2: so my dream was to have a sunny light-filled base in the mountains and to be able to still travel and write as much as as i could Well, last year, I returned from 15 months traveling around the world again. So I went to South America and traveled mostly alone, the whole length of South America. And I'm now continuing to try and learn Spanish as a result of that. And yeah, that was something that I'd wanted to do forever. Some of the most exciting places to see in South America, to walk in the Andes. And also went to Antarctica, which was a, a dream as well. I know
0: Michelle's a penguin fan. Yes, that's my dream, to see the penguins.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so it was just that whole adventure. I mean, people keep saying, oh, you're so brave. I wouldn't be able to do that. And then I've said to people and put in my blog, sort of the essence of that is just to stretch the boundaries little bit by little bit. You don't have to go from never going out for dinner alone to going around the world alone for months, you know, it's just bit by bit by bit. Mm-hmm. And I have always been that brave or courageous or independent, but I just little bit by little bit can stretch, mm-hmm. stretch the boundaries, I say, rather than leap out of the comfort zone.
1: Mm-hmm. So being gentle on yourself as you pursue your dream. Yeah. Yep.
2: yeah. And just be prepared and know what you want as well.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. You know, South America is such a beautiful and exotic place to go to that not many people go to, right? So what were some really cool places that you saw and experienced that, that would inspire somebody to go there?
0: Maybe Antarctica as well. Yeah.
2: Antarctica is just gorgeous. And that's been a dream forever. I really wanted to work there as a scientist in decades gone by. It's the silence and the huge vastness of it and the wildlife everywhere, like, just thousands and thousands of noisy, smelly penguins (laughs) to you and little seal babies with huge eyes just rolling their heads around in front of you. And, And I took a kayaking option as well, which is fabulous. So it was just indescribable, just kayaking through ice flows and over brash ice with whales and penguins zooming along past you. Yeah. and seals lying around on the ice. Yeah, just incredible.
1: How did you get there, Jane? What Was it an so organized on a, trip or did you get on your motorbike, as it were, and just head on down there by yourself?
0: And then jumped on a kayak, <laughs> on a kayak and went from South America to Antarctica. No. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's a ship. It takes a few days to get there on a ship. So I went from a town called Ushuaia at the very south of South America, And there's quite a lot of cruise ships go from there. And so you stay on the ship, although we did camp one night on the ice. Generally, you stay on the ship and have all the facilities on the ship and then the kayaking and the onshore excursions are just for a a couple of hours at a time.
0: Jane, you've had so many adventures and you're still fit and, and enjoying life. So what are you doing right now? You're still living in Threadbow and you're yeah, now looking one. after someone. Tell us a bit about that.
2: It's a, a man, is a bit of a national treasure, an old man that's going to be turning 99 in July. Wow. He's extremely independent and his mind is 100%. He's just amazing. He's Czech originally. Uh-huh. And he skied well into his 90s. He still drives. So I've just got the opportunity here to, well, n- not so much a carer because he doesn't need caring for, but mm-hmm. to be here and uh, keep a bit of an eye on him and help out where I
0: can. Oh, that's beautiful. Amen. And that's
2: especially important at the moment because his family and um, friends can't come and visit. Right. So they need to know that he's, he's okay. And yeah, oh, That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful act of service you're doing there.
0: Um, and also to be inspired by him. He's 99 and he's still still active, still really? skiing and driving. And you Not know, skiing anymore, oh, but oh, skiing, yes, yeah. until the last few years. Yeah, yeah wow. Absolutely. Okay. A question for you, Jane. You've already filled your life with so many adventures. What is next? What do you dream of next? Just a
2: lot more travel and a lot more sharing. I want to get my blog. Mm-hmm back up and running, it's been a bit on the back burner for a while. So i really love to be able to inspire and encourage other people, women in particular, older women in particular, who might find themselves now with a new start of life, like you say, the Empty Nesters, Baby Boomer Age Group. Uh-huh,
0: yeah.
2: yeah, just to encourage and support people to be able to follow their dreams and, and do what they'd like to do with their lives. Yes.
0: Well, your blog is called Inspiring Women who travel. We travel. Yes, and so we'll have that yeah. in the show notes too so we look forward to more blogs of all of those adventures mm-hmm. and many more that we haven't yet heard of. And yeah, mm, I'm sure. Too. <laughs> yeah. And women and look, even men would probably be very inspired, but women Absolutely. especially if you're thinking of that adventure, dreaming of the adventure that you've been wanting to do ever since before you had kids possibly. Get onto Jane's blog, have a read and be inspired and you can reach out to her as well. So we'll put down the bottom of the show notes how you can reach out to Jane. I'm sure she would love to have a chat with you if you're looking sure. for some for some tips, some advice. You've just answered the next question I was going to ask you about how would you like to be remembered in some way in being able to contribute and help other women to go on their own adventure. Is there any other way you would like to be remembered in 30 40 years time hmm. I guess just for living life to the max hmm. and inspiring others to do similar hmm.
1: yeah well I think you're certainly doing that there's no doubt about that
0: yeah. <laughs> cool. second last question we we' have felt that you have such a great love for learning not only through your adventures where you've had to learn through work you know you've gone onto a prawn trawler you've driven 400 ton trucks you've learned to ride a motorbike and so many other things that you've done jane you've been learning you've been growing you've been filling your mind with beautiful things and filling your heart as well along the way and your latest learning is to learn spanish what else what else do you look forward to learning over the years
2: when i was trying to work out (laughs) what I wanted to be when I grew up, yeah. I'm still that out, I was thinking, what are my passions? They're actually, they've always been travel, photography, writing and people. And eventually, by the time I retired, um, blogs came into fashion and I realised blogging actually covers all of that. So I do procrastinate a bit with my blog and it's been on the back burner for a while, but really that is the essence of of who I am I think being able to block share all those things Yeah, it's 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 so exciting I I like to continually learn about try and continually keep on top of technology well I don't go to the city very often but if I do I go into a into a, a shop that sells computers and up-to-date technology and I might say to one of the young salesmen in there just tell me what's new tell me Show me something that's new. I want, to, I want to keep on top of what's coming
0: out. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, continual learning. Love Indeed. it. Mm-hmm. So
1: one final question, if I may, Jane. One of the things we love to inspire people through this podcast, the Awakening Empty Nesters podcast, is people go through their journey just as you have. You've gone through an incredible journey of transitioning from a life of corporate work, government work, through to an amazing experience of travelling around Australia, learning different things, so many different jobs, then extending overseas and, and, and experiencing so many things. You had such an awakening throughout your life. How would you define an awakening soul? I
2: think maybe just to learn about yourself and work out who you are, what you want from life, and then just go with open arms towards the adventure of life.
1: Beautiful.
0: Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and with our listeners, for your wisdom, your stories, and most of all for highlighting to us and to our listeners about this spirit of adventure that you have within you. We are certain that you have awakened the hearts and minds of many of our listeners as to what is possible when we listen to the call of our heart, learn about ourselves, and take consistent steps towards our dreams. If there are any listeners out there curious to know more to link up with Jane, you can do so through her blog, www.inspiringwomenwhotravel.com. She is on Instagram as Jane St. Catherine. And she also has a Facebook page, Inspiring Women Who Travel.
1: Dear listeners, we don't take this time with you lightly. We work every day to be the living examples of everything we teach. We are deeply honoured and privileged to have the opportunity to contribute to your life in some way.
0: Yes, this is a great honor and opportunity to deliver information and the fact that you are taking an hour out of your day to listen to this podcast. We are humbled by that, that you made the effort. And if you feel awakened by one of our podcasts, please share your experience with us. Reach out and send us an email to podcast at the dreamarchitects.com. You can also join our community on Facebook at Awakening Empty Nesters.
1: Till we return with our next guest, may you be inspired to awaken your spirit of adventure by opening your world to deeper experience, unconditional contribution and consistent growth and living with a strong ECG life pulse.
0: So it's goodbye from Mark and myself and thank you again, Jane St. Catherine.
1: And may I say, just from my heart, you absolutely inspire me from your life story, from what you've done, oh, the you. whole journey and getting out there and breaking free and doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank
2: Amazing.
0: you. Thank you so much, Mark and Michelle. This is the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.
1: If you enjoy what you heard today, share with a friend. And if you have not already done so, please subscribe, rate and review the show on your favourite podcast player.
0: If you have any questions, comments or feedback for us, you can reach us directly at podcast at thedreamarchitects.com. Looking forward to you joining us on our next show.
1: Thank you for listening.